Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. Of course, it is time now for the bigger picture with Ryan Huang. And what do the Fed, oil prices, and K pop have in common? Well, somehow, Ryan, you're going to mix it all up in the bigger picture. It's all on the table as we talk about what's shaking up markets and what is emerging in terms of trends. And of course, we've seen markets in the past four days just going into a bit of a slump post. Jackson Hole's speech by Fashion Jerome Powell talking mm. about how rates could pretty much go higher for longer and the latest join the echoing drumbeat and pretty much what people have been saying is going to be coming around the corner is higher rates and that comes through from Cleveland Federal Reserve President Loretta Mester yep. who sees interest rates considerably rising higher before the central bank can ease off. So pretty much she's saying, no, she's not expecting any rate cuts at least for 2023. So all that has been leading to pain for at least US markets and going into September, which is traditionally one of the worst months of year for investing, is not a great sign. Let's check in with Shane Oliver. He is the Head of Investment Strategy and Chief Economist for AMP Capital. Good morning, Shane. How are you doing today? I'm good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing great as well, Shane. Now, let's start with what's happening with the Fed. We've gone through the past four days with a bit of a slump, four-day losing streak for U.S. markets. And again and again, we hear the Fed becoming more hawkish and hawkish, apparently. And we are going into what seems to be the non-farm payroll numbers tomorrow night, which is expected to show yet another strong reading for the labor market. How is this going to shake up markets when we do get that reading? Well, that's the big question, and the unfortunate thing is that a strong outcome could be seen as bad news for markets because it will just make the Fed more hawkish. But then a weak outcome could also be bad news because it could add to these concerns about Mm. a recession. So we are in a difficult phase in terms of interpreting the data. The expectation for those payrolls is for a gain of just less than 300,000. That's down from 528,000 in the previous month. Interestingly, there was a survey put out overnight by ADP, mm. employment survey, and it was quite a lot weaker. It suggests the gain could be you know, a lot slower, down around 150,000 K, which is 150,000 people, which is in line with or suggestive of a slowdown in the U.S. labour market. But so far, the economic indicators in the U.S. have been mixed. There's been a bunch of weak things, weak indicators, but uh, earlier in the week, we saw some job openings numbers, and they're all still pretty strong. So that leaves the Fed in play keeps them hawkish. Obviously, inflation you know, looks like it may have peaked in the US, but it's still very, very high, still far too high for the Fed to relax. So bottom line seems to me to be that the Fed will remain hawkish for a while yet. We're looking at another hefty rate hike in a week or so's time out of the Fed, and that's going to keep share markets um, volatile. Yeah. And as you pointed out, September is often one of the worst months of the year for the US share market, particularly when it's already in a downtrend. Now, Shane, give us an idea of how strong the labour market is in the US. And you mentioned the ADP data. It was weaker than what some were expecting. How reliable is it as an indicator of what's to come for non-farm payrolls? Well, that's a big question here because that ADP survey used to come out every Wednesday uh, prior to the jobs figures on the Friday. Uh, it uh, wasn't released in uh, the last month or so because the, it become an unreliable predictor of the jobs numbers. You know, the, the ADP number would come out and the jobs number was something totally different. So the ADP stopped releasing it and then they changed their methodology to hopefully make it more mm. reliable. So 
the trouble is we don't have much back history to go on. We don't have a cracker record. We've only got one month's release for August now. It does point to softer numbers, um, but we just don't know how reliable that, that will be. Um, my take is that it's, you know, it's, it's inevitable we are going to see softer numbers. We have seen an aggressive tightening in monetary policy. We've seen a big increase in the cost of living. That's going to be a drag. These things point to a slower growth rate in the US. That's just a question of when that clearly starts to emerge and how severe it will be. Yeah, talking about softer numbers, we are in some sense expecting softer demand for things like oil and energy. That seems to be, I guess, what we can expect with a slowing economy. So those conditions seem to be setting up for the OPEC Plus meeting coming on Monday. What are you expecting in terms of policy settings going forward? It seems like they are indicating a tighter market and they are set to cut production. It, it looks that way. We, we have seen the oil price, you know, as measured by, say, West Texas Intermediate, uh, fall substantially from its highs, uh, which, of course, were in the aftermath of the invasion, Russian invasion of, of uh, Ukraine. And, uh, you know, on, on West Texas, it got to around $120 a barrel. Now we're around $89 a barrel, and we're, we're at uh, levels uh, which preceded uh, that, uh, that invasion mm. and the, the initial impact. So... That uh, is obviously something that will concern OPEC, lower prices, something they don't want. Um, we're also seeing slower global growth, talk of recession, and that means less demand for oil. So, you know, we've gone from a situation where the pressure on OPEC was to increase production to make up for lost Russian production or lost Russian supply. Um, that, that pressure now seems to be receding and reversing. Russia seems to have found markets for its oil in Asia so rather than go to the west, it's going to the east and of course, as you say, the pressure is on OPEC to possibly cut production so that's going to be looked at quite closely and this is important for the rest of the world because oil is such an important driver of inflation and economic activity and I, I guess one thing we probably do want in most of us want because we uh, rely on the stuff is that we want lower prices but obviously that's not, not what OPEC wants. And Shane, talking about what's trending in the markets these days, um, we've seen how K-pop has taken a role by storm and now investors can have a piece of it by investing in an ETF. It's called a K-pop and Korean Entertainment ETF. So it's a basket of 30 companies that will comprise things like label companies behind uh, the likes of BTS, JYP, SM and YG Entertainment. How would you rank this as an attractive proposition for an investor. Would you be jumping on this? Because it seems like everyone's on K-pop, so it has to go up, right? Well, probably, probably. It, it's one, something you need to think about carefully. When ETFs came along, they were seen as a fantastic way to get into the share market and get exposure to shares or a sector at very low cost and it's highly liquid on the share market. Now, of course, we're seeing more and more ETFs that focus on specific themes, in this case, the K-pop uh, theme. I think if you, uh, I mean, there's two ways to look at this. If you're a great fan of K-pop, uh, this may be a way to back it uh, without trying to pick companies. You know, you buy all 30 of them. Um, so that's a good way to go. If you're an ordinary investor, you've got to look at it a little bit different, different um, because you shouldn't just go on the basis of your love of K-pop. You should go on the basis of whether the investment is a good value and attractive long-term investment proposition. That's where you've got to do a lot more work, and I think this one has to prove itself. Hmm. Um, uh, and I think a lot of investors will probably struggle trying to work that one out. You know, they, they might like K-pop, but who knows whether the companies are going to do a good job of making money out of it 
and then the other issue is, I mean, I guess you could take the view, well, I should invest in it because lots of young K-pop fans will invest in it. But then you've got to question whether those K-pop fans will actually invest in it. They probably buy the music, but they may not necessarily invest in the companies that supply it. So there's a bunch of issues around it. Great for K-pop fans who want to back it that way, but ordinary investors, I, I think, have to think about it very carefully mm. before jumping in. Shane, are you a K-pop fan? Where do you sit on this? I'm not really a K-pop fan, to be honest with you. It's, it's, I'm probably more uh, traditional rock and uh, pop. But by the same token, you know, there's been some great pop K-pop songs out there that I've hummed along to. So, um, but it, it's not something that jumps out at me relative to other music. And I'm not sure that if an ETF came along mm. enabling me to invest in Sony Music and all the other um, producers of music or suppliers of music globally that I would invest in it because mm. these things often sound attractive. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make money out of it. You might love the music, but it's not necessarily a great investment because there's not just the music involved, which may be fantastic and may trend and, and uh, do fantastically well. There's whether the companies are actually making a profit out of it, and that's, that's where it always gets difficult. And then, if they are, whether it's attractively valued or not, and those things are difficult things to assess. Mm-hmm. Lots to consider when you look at this ETF. We've been chatting with Shane Oliver. He is the Head of Investment Strategy and Chief Economist for AMP Capital. Shane, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you, Ryan. All the best for the week ahead. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.